Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. Today is uh, February the 20th, and we are continuing to work our way through the book of Ephesians. Uh, today, last time in session one, we covered the introduction and the need I felt to go back through this book again. And today in session number two, we're going to pick up in verse number one, get into the text and see how far we get. Ephesians chapter one, verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So notice that he says that they are in Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. In this book, Paul's focus is on who we are as the body of Christ in Christ. Now, some have made an attempt to prove that Paul is addressing two different people groups in this letter, and I've made this mistake and it's one reason why I'm going back through the book again, because I want to rectify it. But <clears throat> some believe that Paul is addressing two different people groups uh, in this letter, and that would be the saints, which are at Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. So they would separate the saints from the faithful. In other words, the saints is a people group that, that are there at Ephesus, and then the faithful are another people group. There are not, but it's a separate people group. Now, the reason they do this is because of what's going on in verses 3 through 12. <clears throat> in verses 3 through 12, um, we see that Paul is... Um, using different pronouns. Um, he says, our Lord, us, we. He uses that tense of the pronoun in verses 3 through 12. I mean, all the way through it. I mean, in verse number 4, according as he has chosen us, uh, predestined us in verse number 5, verse number 6, wherein he hath made us, and it goes all the way down through verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory. So the reasoning would be that this is referring to the saints that are at Ephesus. And those saints would be Jewish believers, Jewish grace believers. And then in verse number 13, there's a trans transition in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. So that would be the faithful in Christ Jesus, which would be the Gentiles that are there at Ephesus. So <clears throat> I have ran that route to its logical conclusion, and I disagree. Um, because he does, you know, if you study Ephesians and Colossians, uh, they parallel each other. Um, because if you look over in, in uh, Colossians, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Colossians verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. 
So he basically says the same thing, but the punctuation is different. In Colossians 2, he just says, to the saints and the faithful brethren. Obviously, they're the same group of people. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 1, we see commas. To the saints which are at Ephesus, comma, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So, again, because of that punctuation, um, some would argue that he's referring to two different people groups. Well, if he is, he's referring to two different people groups in Ephesians, but he's not in Colossians. And really, if you look at it grammatically, for example, in Ephesians, I mean, in Colossians 1 1, um, well, Colossians 1 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ Jesus, which are at Colossae, grace be unto who? You. So the you are both the saints and the faithful brethren, and peace from our, the saints and the faithful brother, Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he keeps going in verse number three. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying, praying always for you, both the saints and the faithful brethren. So in Colossians, he's clearly not doing that. And the books run parallel in a lot of ways. So, you know, to say that this is two different people groups, um, because if you look back in Ephesians chapter one, look at verse two, grace be to who? You, um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints and to the faithful, grace be to you. He's tying the two together. And again, I have watched other Bible teachers because if you start doing this pronoun thing in Ephesians, you're going to have to do it in all of the Pauline epistles. Uh, you, and if you start doing that, you're going to end up off the rails. And I have seen some Bible teachers over the past couple of months who have now reached the position that there is no rapture because of this pronoun differentiation, uh, that the body of Christ is not going to be um, at the, the judgment seat of Christ. And the reason they're arriving there is that they are taking this pronoun thing to, to its logical conclusion in their mind. Um, and th I have to ask myself, you know, I mean, I've watched them go down this rabbit hole and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Paul was writing to the Gentiles. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. Because if you start pulling this pronoun thing throughout Paul, Paul's epistles, you're going to find that Paul wrote a lot to the nation of Israel, a lot to the Jews. Now, here in Ephesians, when it says to the saints which are at Ephesus, that would be referring to, it'd either be referring to the kingdom believing Jews or it could be referring to the grace-believing Jews. And like I mentioned in the intro last, the last study, they're different. But here it would have to be to the grace-believing Jews. So you're, you're, again, you're saying every time he says we, our, us, he's referring to grace-believing Jews. 
And then when he says ye and your, he's referring to grace-believing Gentiles. Again, you're going to end up in a ditch if you follow that, and I'm not willing to do that. So when he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and it was God who called Paul, who was born as one due out of time. He was not called by Christ during his earthly ministry. He was called after the ascension. He was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9. So he was called by Jesus Christ, by the will of God, that, well, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and he is writing to the saints and the faithful. Same group. And he says, Grace be unto you and peace from our God and Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Blessed be the God, in verse number three, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So notice that our blessings are spiritual. And where are they? In heavenly places. Um, One of the things that you will quickly learn once you begin to differentiate between the kingdom gospel that was preached to the nation of Israel exclusively and the grace gospel that was preached to the well, the body of Christ, which is Jew and Gentile, the middle wall of partition, the division has been broken down. Um, you will you will come to understand that the promises that are given to the nation of Israel are all physical, earthly. And the promises that are given to the body of Christ are all spiritual and heavenly. Um, So these blessings here are spiritual and in heavenly places. So he's obviously writing to the body of Christ. Okay, and when do we get these spiritual blessings? Well, I believe we get them at the moment of our salvation. We get these spiritual blessings. And uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. And that baptism has nothing to do with water. It is a spiritual baptism. And again, that's another issue that you're going to have to deal with when you start separating Israel from um, the body of Christ. The kingdom gospel from the grace gospel. Realizing that baptism is for the nation of Israel. John the Baptist came baptizing them for the priesthood. Uh, And the Apostle Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you guys. Um, He did not come preaching baptism because baptism is not a part of the grace gospel. Uh, And yet people today will read the gospels and they'll read the kingdom gospel Uh, in particular, and they'll say, you got to be baptized to be saved. That's the doctrine of baptismal regeneration. Why do they get, why do they arrive at that faulty doctrine? Because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. They're not separating the program of Israel from the program of the body of Christ. So we're all baptized by one spirit 
one body, whether we be Jews or whether we be Greeks, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into what? One spirit. When did that happen? The moment we were baptized into one body. So when do we get these blessings? At the moment of our salvation. It says in verse number four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. When can we can still have free will and God can still know who will and who won't? I mean, he's God. So he says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, before we even made a decision, and make no mistake, it is our decision, he chose us in him before it even happened, before the foundations of the world were even laid so that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay? Um, So we have been chosen in him before the foundation that we should be holy. Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we are holy and without blame. Um, It's just like the tools in the temple. Um, They were set apart. They were made holy. They were consecrated for a specific use in the temple. So too, we have been set apart, made holy, consecrated, for his purpose. And notice he says, without blame. How are we without blame? So we're holy, but how are we without blame? Paul mentioned this concept in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we uh, we are without blame. We are justified from all things simply because of our faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus on the cross and nothing more. And as a result of that faith, that belief, we are truly blameless. So, verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of the children of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he do it? According to the good pleasure of his will. Now, we get all discombobulated over this verse because our uh, our Reformed brethren (laughs) um, have taken the words adopted, predestined, and made them mean something that they don't in the text. Now, Keep in mind, let's look at them. Keep in mind that adoption that is used here is not speaking of the adoption that you and I know today. Today, adoption 
implies you're taking someone from outside of the family and you're bringing in, you're bringing them in to make them a part of the family. Now, when Paul uses that word adoption, he's not talking about that. He is talking about a, a, a child who is a son who is already in the family, but eventually is going to come of age and he's going to um, receive full rights as the heir. He's already an heir, but he's still a child. But one day he will come into those full rights as an heir. So it has nothing to do with something we have to work for or anything they had to work for. Um, They were just, um, uh, Paul talks about it, for example. He talks about how that we're, we're under tutors, um, let me see if I can uh, actually find that. I'm I'm going I'm going off the reservation. Um, in Galatians four two, uh, Paul said, um, "Now I say in verse Galatians four one that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all." What does he mean there? That child has not come into his full inheritance. In other words, he has nothing more than the servant has at that point because he hasn't come into his full um, full inheritance. Verse number two, Galatians four, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of by who? The father. And even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So verses 1 and 2, Galatians chapter 4, clearly says that that heir is already a child of the father. But he's going to come of age one day, and he's going to receive his full inheritance and be Lord of all. So that's what the word adoption is referring to. And again, we tend to look at the Bible through Western eyes and we redefine it based upon our culture and you get in trouble. So the adoption here uh, is speaking of when we come into our full inheritance, uh, our full rights. Um, and, And again, at I believe that happens at the moment of salvation when we come into everything that God wants for us. Um, We become joint heirs with Christ in heavenly places. That's what he says there in verse number three. Let me get back over there real quick. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You see that? According, verse number four, as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So again, remember the word adoption. And and again, we know when will that adoption, the process began at salvation, 
but it will not be completed until our bodies have been glorified, until the rapture, until we're with him. It, it will come to full fruition. Um, so according as he has chosen us in, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him one day in love, having predestined us, it's already determined. And again, who are the ones that are being predestined? The ones who are receiving the adoption, who are already children of the Father. So again, we have perverted that word predestined. It has nothing to do with salvation. So having predestined us, the, the born, the saved, the born again, if you will, the ones who have been reconciled to the Father unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, that again, that word predestined, it, it's just been distorted in the church today. And again, it's not referring to some are predetermined to go to hell by God and some are predetermined to go to heaven. But instead, it's speaking of our position as joint heirs, we have been predestined as children of God to be adopted. And it will be a process that is completed at the rapture. Um, Paul talks about this again in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 17 and 18 when he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ... If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. But I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. So this is speaking of our position in Christ as a joint heir, not a we are a joint heir with Christ. And we have, as a result, we have been predestined to be adopted. And it'll be complete at the rapture. And it is according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, the same way that Paul was called um, in 1 1, uh, let's look back there. Ephesians um, 1.1, notice he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. So it was God's will to call Paul. So too, we are going to get this according to the pleasure of his will. It's the will of God. Um, John also references this in John 6.44. In John 6.44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. It was the will of God that these people come. And again, I mean, in God's foreknowledge, does he know that these people are going to come to him? Yes, he's God. But did he predetermine that they would come to him? I mean, there's a very fine line between that and free will, you know, but God does know who will and who won't, who will not. I mean, that's foreknowledge. God has foreknowledge. 
God knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. But again, predestination, that word, has everything to do with our adoption, our becoming heirs. It's referring to the future of children of God. Um, And then notice verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, in the beloved means in Christ. We are in Christ. Remember, I said this is the theme. It is by grace and grace alone, as, as we've already established. We are in Christ by grace. So just for a recap, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, same people group, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all these spiritual blessings, all the blessings for the body of Christ, are spiritual in nature. They are not physical. We are not looking for a kingdom, okay? We're not looking for an earthly kingdom. Matter of fact, we don't have any much to do with that kingdom. That kingdom was promised to the nation of Israel, not to the body of Christ. Um, And he says, according, as he has chosen us in verse number four, in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. He's predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, he loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for our good.